This has been tested over time and time again, and it's almost been proven that unless you do something completely outside of the box, so like literally put something in a box or put something that has weight or an object inside a letter, um, you know, it's not going to get you that much um, of a difference on your uh, return on your investment. Welcome to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. It's Adam Adams. And when I'm not behind the mic, I am usually hosting awesome events and the Raising Money Summit is coming up. Please get your tickets right now. Just go to raisingmoneysummit.com and then you get a discount through the entire month of August. You'll get 20% off. Take advantage of that right now. Go to raisingmoneysummit.com and put in the promo code podcast and you'll get 20% off your tickets. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, as always, Adam, AAA Adams, and I am thrilled you're here. Thank you for coming on. And we actually have an amazing guest on the show today who I've, I've been trying to get her on the show for probably more than a year. I'm thinking like 18 months. I've been reaching out saying, would love to have you on the show. Would love to have you on the show. He finally did it. Now, here's, yes. <laughs> here's some of what you are going to get out of today. Number one, she is a mother. She is a wife. She runs a mastermind. She attends another mastermind. And somehow, I'm not exactly sure how you can have all of these roles, but she's made it a way to do more than 100 deals, more than 100 deals, not total, but I'm talking every year, consistently year after year. If you want to learn how to do this kind of stuff, you're going to learn how to do that right now. She also runs, and she's one of the founders, and she helps run this thing called the Next Level Flipping. It's an online community. So it's a mastermind community where you go on, you pay somewhere around five, uh, 5%, 10%, 20%, a smaller amount than like these $30,000 masterminds uh, that she and I both pay for. We both pay for these higher uh, masterminds. Now this is like a supplemental mastermind, right? It's, it's an amazing mastermind. They add so much value there. And what it is, it's, it's some of the people like from Collective Genius, some of the people from Mike Hambright's, um, what's Mike Hambright's called again? Investor Fuel. Investor Fuel. And I should My know people. that. <laughs> Your people, right? And so it's, it's all these people from different masterminds. And you have to have at least 50 deals a, a year, each year, to be able to even be considered to be in there. But it is about the 10th of the price to join that. And they collaborate and they, they put on uh, education. They talk about... How do you sell? How do you follow up? How do you do this? How do you, what's a CRM? How do you use your CRM? What are the best CRMs to use? Like, how do you trigger this? Um, so they are finding a way to go from those 50 deals a year to like the hundred, like Jamie's doing. So anyway, I am just thrilled to have her on the show today with you. She's, we're going to add, we're going to give you so much value from her. She's going to add so much value to us. Jamie, Jamie, your name on uh, is showing up as next level flipping. So it is Jamie Woolley. The, yeah. the what I mean by that is the the Facebook viewers right now, they can see my name and they can see your next level flipping uh, on there uh, yeah. as, as well. She's tagged in this. If you want to connect with her, you can just click on that and try to connect with her. I would uh, encourage you to reach out 
and message her first. Tell her why you want to message her because a lot of people know who this person is because she's running that mastermind. She's doing things. She's doing big things in the community. So with that said, I will stop singing your praises and I'll let you introduce yourself. How are you, Jamie? I'm good. Thank you uh, so much for having me on. And just to be clear, I was very excited about coming on. Um, I'm just, I get a little anxious about doing things like this, which is why I don't do them more often, but I'm honored that you would uh, have me on your show and I'm ready to give as much value as I can today. Well, thank you for being on the show. Tell us, uh, I know you got started in real estate. It's just mind boggling that this was in 2016 that you got started and now you're doing 100 deals plus, 100 deals plus, 100 deals plus. You've created all the systems around it. Yeah. Um, tell us like kind of the history, right? Right before you got into real estate, what was going on? And then I also want to know just how did you build your business to 100 plus each year? Right, definitely. So basically what was going on before I got into this is uh, I was actually working for my father's company and I was kind of doing like an office, uh, an office manager, you know, role. So payroll, things like that. I did that for about eight years. Previous to that, um, I, I had my daughter when I was young. So I actually had a golf marketing company and a clothing company. So I've always been an entrepreneur at heart, but neither one of those really panned out to what I, I could see like this big future in. Right. And so, uh, you know, my dad had a company and he's like, come, come work here just, you know, a year or so answer phones, do whatever. And you can find you, find what you want to do. Well, I'm a daddy's girl at heart. And so, you know, I got in there and I didn't want to leave. I wanted to help and fix and make better and work with my dad. And uh, sooner or later, after, you know, you're looking at year seven and eight, I realized like I am not getting any younger. This is nowhere near a passion of mine. I'm passionate because I love working with my father and I'm a daddy's girl, but this is like not me. So, you know, I think like every other person in the world, I was watching HGTV and when we had first gotten married, we were broke. So we had to buy a home that needed work. And we actually did all of the work ourselves. I didn't think of it as a business that time, but I actually liked it working with my hands and things like that. I'm from the country, so I don't mind getting dirty. I don't mind working hard. Like none of that stuff bothers me. Uh, so I just jumped in and I started telling everyone in the company I was working at, you know, I, I want to buy a house. Does anybody have a house that, you know, that needs some work? They're looking to sell cool thing. Two of the technicians at that company actually inherited a house three years prior. Uh, one brother was not living there in the, anymore. The other brother was, and it was in tax defaults. So they were going to lose their house. It was like the perfect scenario for me. Uh, so basically, you know, I ended up negotiating with them. I had no idea what I was doing, by the way. I'm just, I'm like feeling all of this out, making all the mistakes that you can. Don't know how to write up a contract, any of that fun stuff. Um, but I did. And um, about a month before that, a B2B contracting crew came by and said, we renovate, you know, spaces, houses, things like that. Here's my card. So of course, who did I call? I called them, you know? <laughs> so the first rehab, luckily the contractors were very nice and honest. They were just very slow. I ended up making $30,000 on my first flip. And so of course I fell in love. I mean, that was almost what I was making in a year, you know, of working. Uh, so it just kind of transpired from there. So I, I learned how to flip first. I accidentally fell into wholesaling. And I thought that was pretty sexy. Um, and then kind of just gradually have, have learned different strategies and things like that in order to, you know, be where I'm at today. So, One of my favorite things, and there's a few that I could mention just from the pre-interview today, really what we were talking about that we really, I believe that we should share right now. Um, and I hope we can get to all of them. Uh, one of the things that really stu stood out to me is 
when I was asking if you, if do you have rentals? Do you have, do you do fix and flips? Are you wholesaling? And you actually said, I do all of them. And what I got, what I get from that is sometimes the property really tells you what to do with it. The property tells you if you need to do a lease option, a subject to hold as a rental, do an owner carry, do a, you know, owner carry back, flip it or, or go ahead and, and offload it soon. And, um, and I feel like each of these things is like a tool that you can use, right? So, so you've got a hammer, a screwdriver, and um, what's another tool? A drill. All right. <laughs> yeah. So you've got a hammer, a screwdriver, and a drill. And in some cases, you just need a screwdriver. In other cases, you've got to use that drill. And in other cases, the only way this is going to work is if you go and grab that hammer. But you can't use the wrong tool for the wrong job. And so I love that you say, you said, sometimes we do this, sometimes we do this, sometimes we do this. But it depends on what the property is telling us. Most definitely. Can you go into a little bit more detail on, on how that works, how you know what to do with the property? So once we get the property in, we'll basically kind of evaluate that as to, you know, we kind of have like four different boxes. So, you know, owner carry definitely is going to depend on, you know, the, the homeowner. That box could be X'd out really quickly if that's not something they're interested in. Uh, subject two is kind of maybe an only option because that's, there's not enough equity in there to do anything else with. Um, so we really kind of have three boxes if those two are kind of checked out. And that would be to flip the property, to purchase it and owner finance it out or to um, wholesale that property, uh, keeping it as a rental as well. So kind of four boxes. We just look at like, if we flip this property, the bottom line, even if, you know, this mistake happened and this happened, we feel like we get, let's say 35,000. If we wholesale the property, we feel like we could get, you know, 25. Um, if we held it for a rental, what would, you know, our cash on cash return, you know, be with that? And what does that appreciation look like? And kind of just look at it from a bird's eye view. And usually pretty quickly, there's a, you know, kind of answer staring you very heavily in the face. Um, there's two things to that, though. You do have to keep cash flow going in your business uh, with the wholesaling model, which is our model. Uh, for me, I don't look at it as, as a wholesaling model necessarily, I look at it as I have a conveyor belt of inventory coming through and I get to pick, you know, which ones I want to keep in my portfolio, which ones, you know, I can be creative on, which ones I can really make a nice, you know, hit of cash to throw back into the business to keep growing it. And, and that's the way that I look at it. I don't feel like unless you're marketing directly to the seller, you can never buy property, whether it's land, commercial, multifamily, anything at the prices that we're able to, you know, acquire these assets for. Uh, a moment ago, it sounded like you said that it takes capital to do wholesales. I'm, I'm not sh sure if that's what you said, but it sounded like you said that. And I remember also in the pre-interview, I, I have you quoted cash that it takes to run a wholesaling business, quote, yes. end quote. Um, yep. And so the thing that I'm talking about right now is there is a dissonance, right? I hear a lot of gurus out there saying, wholesaling is the thing to start with because you don't need a single dime. It doesn't matter what your credit is. But now I have somebody who, who wholesales like 85, 90 houses every single year that says it takes capital to do this. So could you dive into that as well? I'd love to. Um, I actually learned from that same method and same model. Um, and I appreciate it. And I appreciate the mindset from where it comes from. So there's a, you know, low barrier to entry and people feel like they can do all things. And that, that side of it is great. 
But um, in reality, if you want to create a business, um, you know, you could probably go knock doors every single day and have the gas in your tank and, you know, do that and, and make a deal or two. But to have something sustainable, to have something systematized, to not be in your daily grind each day of your business, it does take capital. If you talk to anybody that's pulling 30, 40, 50 plus, you know, wholesale deals even alone a year, there is marketing and there is expenses and there is overhead, you know, that it just comes with the territory. So on one side of the coin, yes, if you want to get out there and hustle and knock doors, you, you can come in this with not a lot of capital. Um, and basically what I did is I got a $5,000 loan and that's how I started all of it. And then I would save my money and keep saving my money um, and only spend a small amount at a time. And that's how I built all of this up. So I didn't get some, you know, I didn't get to walk into it. So I respect that because I did come in with not much, but in order to do what we're doing as a business, there's a lot of cash needed on a monthly basis. I mean, you're talking, so, you know, people may, you know, find this interesting, but anywhere from 60 to $90,000 a month, you know, is, is what, you know, we're having to cover, um, with, with everything that we do. So it's, it's a large amount, more than what I made in a year. So <laughs> before I started doing this, that's incredible. 60,000 to 90,000 expenses, mostly on marketing, not a year, but a month. Is that what you said? Yeah. All right. Perfect. I learned, I learned a ton from you. Now this is something that um, not most people hear about. So I'm grateful that you went into that detail. What I'd like to do to kind of further this a bit is I'd like to just lay out myself on the line and have you tell me what I did wrong because I think that it will help a few listeners if they do want to get into wholesaling. Yeah. And so let me take you back a, into 2015 or 16 when I was trying to wholesale we were putting out in marketing around two grand a month. Okay. And I think that that was around 3,000 letters. I think it was around 3,000 letters plus um, a, a list service. Okay. So we created um, five or four or five different mail letters uh, and postcards, uh, 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 a few different of each. Okay. And, and then one would go to them and then a few days or a week later or two, sometimes uh, the second one would go and then the third one would hit them the next week. And then the fourth one and hit and the fifth one would hit. We were targeting specifically pre foreclosure lists and we tried both. We tried both non-owner occupied lives in the state and non-owner occupied lives out of state. Mm -hmm. And um, again, two grand a month, every month. We did this for about, it was maybe it was 2,500 actually, because we did this for about five months. Every single month, we tried to answer the phone calls. We tried to answer them as soon as we could. We tried to book it down to everybody's house as best we could and, uh, when they called, we try to drop everything. I'm like, this is our lifeblood. We got to get there. Oh. So we did that. I mean, maybe we weren't perfect, but we did that as best we could with, with the children that I have and all this other stuff yeah. when we could. And sometimes I actually brought my kids once on one of these things because I'm like, this is a potential 40 grand. 
And if, if, if I, you know, don't get there, maybe I'll lose out. Yeah. Uh, nobody wants to miss out. So I, I was like, do you mind if I have my kids with me? And they're like, no, I don't mind at all. <laughs> I took them and, and they took to the kids and I got into those houses and I felt like I was fairly good at sales. Um, the objection that I continued to have was they, they just wanted a lot more for the house than I ever felt like I could pay. And yeah. so I felt like I was spinning my wheels and we were about five ish months into spending 2,500 every single month. And we finally got one wholesale, but it wasn't even from our marketing. Oh, wow. I ran a meetup group. Okay. And somebody at our meetup group said that they knew that they, that I wanted to do some wholesales. Yeah. So they passed, they, they double wholesaled something. So I was like the second wholesaler and I found the, my, my partner and I found the buyer. You were, you were the daisy chainer. We were the daisy chainer. But you, you right. had permission. You were a permissioned daisy yes. chainer. Yes. <laughs> yes. Te- technically, technically we bought it because it was within an LLC okay. that we, anyway, long story short, technically we bought it, but we gave, <laughs> we gave it to our partner and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So we made about five grand, but okay. we spent about 15 grand. Yeah. So in six months of struggle, we were able to split negative $10,000 between three people. It wow. was a tough business for us. What, yeah. what did I do wrong? Why, why was wholesaling so hard for Adam Adams? So what market were you uh, doing that in, Adam? Denver, Colorado. Okay, so I kind of think of like Phoenix, Dallas, and Denver as very, I mean, I'd say in my mind, definitely the top 10, you know, uh, if not top five, um, kind of most competitive areas. And when I say competitive, I hate to think of saying competitive or being, you know, with competition, because I really do have an abundance mindset. And I think you see that from a meetup and you actually, that's how you made your money. That was being abundant. Right. Um, but I think there is more people in our industry doing it there. Um, and 2016, that's when I first started, but I did actually, I was tracking metrics, um, at that time. Um, and so my deals were costing over $2,500 to get. Now you did do that consecutively. Like you said, um, I know here with the pre foreclosure list right now, there is probably 20 or 30 either phone calls, text messages, postcards, and or probably 10 or 15 door knockers. I don't know if it was like that there in 2016. Um, I'll be honest, I've never really marketed hard to pre-foreclosures. Um, I think it's a really easy uh, list to get. And I think that there's a lot of hungry people and not that I don't feel like I could, you know, win or beat them out with the service and value that we provide. But I also feel like there's other lanes that I can go in. that's not going to be so congested. So I can't specifically say, I don't know what your postcard looked like. I don't know who you were getting your list from. Um, and I, I don't know what was kind of going on in your market at that time, but I had no lead sources that were, you know, costing me $2,500 in 2016. Um, on top of that, we all heard consistency is the key and it really truly is. Um, you know, there's been a time where I like pulled out of my marketing for a couple months, you know, and I mean, you see it for the next four months. It's like, you know, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's the same thing. Um, when you're getting started, um, I think 
most of the the mentors or gurus or doers that I see uh, actually do it well. They say, listen, like, you know, your first deal, but it may take you three, four or five months to get it. Um, Now there are people that get it like their first week or even I'm sure there's an anomaly of your first phone call. Right. But um, you know, it's like be expected that you need to have this much money in the bank and, and be okay uh, to live because it may be four or five months. I know Chris Rue does wholesaling and coaches it. I believe, um, if I'm not mistaken, it took him four months to get his, you know, first deal and he's crushing it. So it, it really is kind of that perseverance and sticking through. Uh, but you do have to have some money set aside for sure, because you don't know when that first deal will happen. Got it. Got it. So one of the things that you, that you mentioned was where are you getting your list from? So who are you really targeting? And you mentioned that I might've been targeting a, a difficult audience mostly because the list is so easy to get so yes. many different people are getting that list and so they're they might be getting and i don't think this is an exaggeration they might be getting 20 to 30 phone calls and uh, oh, letters yeah. coming in before i reach out to them mm-hmm. so that might be my first mistake as i was marketing to a list that was just a lot of people were getting so what list uh, would you recommend that if we wanted to focus on um, one of the other lists that has a little bit higher probability of, of conversion, what list right. would that be? Well, we've always done kind of a combination, to be honest with you. So when I first got started, um, I was pulling just stuff from list source. Um, and, and almost more of a, a larger span. I've never been one to pull small little niche lists and only rely on that. In fact, until this year, I never really pulled any niche list. I was working on more of a volume play, uh, to be honest with you, because in my mind, I thought, you know, if, if I have, you know, all 50,000, then those 3,000 are going to be on that 50,000, you know. Um, we're we're kind of revamping marketing right now uh, for 2019. A few months ago is when we did that. And so my mindset is a little bit different um, on it now. But basically, anything you can just go online and pay a small amount for, I mean, you know, most people are going to have that. And if you really pay close attention, there's so many people teaching how to wholesale. Like if they're all saying, go after these five lists, well, I mean, okay, if they're action takers, then those five lists are being hit up hard. Uh, So I don't, I can't say there's like this one special list because honestly, over time, there isn't one that just stands out to be like, wow, I can't believe this. But if I know, you know, that they can go get it for even free in one of these $50 a month services or something like that, we're going to still reach out to them, but not even close to as heavy. You know, I would rather do a larger scale than go really niche where everybody else is going. And honestly, that's very market specific, um, even county specific. So some counties will let you just click a button online and, you know, send in the, uh, you know, uh, request and you get that list. Um, some are, you know, it's like trying to pull teeth to get something. Um, some things on list source you can pull really easily. And then others you may want to get, you know, a list provider that specializes in whether it's like probate or, you know, something like that low credit. So it just, you kind of look at barrier to entry and that's again, market specific, state specific, county specific, everybody's different. Love it. Love it. So, and, and so I really, I noticed four things from what you talked about that I might have been failing at. The first one was who to market to, what list to market to. The second one that I noticed was the consistency. Now, I thought I was being consistent (laughs) because we were spending like 
as much money as we had for like five months, five months straight, uh, maybe six months. I can't recall, but we were like putting it out, putting it out, putting it out every single month. And as consistently as we thought we could, but you mentioned like Chris and you mentioned yourself and you mentioned some other people. Um, I know I've had Colby, uh, Justin Colby on the, on the show and, and it took him way longer, way, way, way longer than even four months. And now he's crushing it. Right. So it's the consistency. So I thought I was being consistent at the time, but, but I would have had to been prepared to keep putting out that money. I I think I got, I might've gotten scared after the five or six months and been like, we can't sustain. So (laughs) I think, I think that makes a lot of sense. The type of consistency. The third thing that you mentioned that I noticed is the marketing budget. My marketing budget was 2,500 bucks. Kind of small. (laughs) I thought that was a lot. I thought that was a ton. I was like, this is 3000 pieces of mail. Like this is insane. Uh, There's no way I'm going to fail. But I heard you say that you're doing between 60000 a month, $60,000 a month. Have you ever looked in the mirror and thought you'd be further along financially by now? If so, you're not alone. Many people find themselves wanting to ditch their 9 to 5, wishing they had more time with their family. What most people want is to simply live the life that they choose, and with plenty of money to do so. The good news is you can live an abundant life through apartment investing. Mark and Tamil Kenny with Think Multifamily help you take back the time and freedom so that you can live free from the stresses that burden so many. Through multifamily investing, they teach you how to set your family up for a lifetime of true success and fulfillment. They have helped hundreds of people just like you. Patrick, for example who since working with Think Multifamily has purchased over 900 units with another 850 under contract and at 27 years old was able to quit his demanding job in corporate America. Regardless of your age or profession, Think Multifamily can help you create the life of your dreams. As hosts of the new Think Multifamily podcast, Mark and Tamil will walk you through the journey step-by-step to make sure you are completely set up for success. Through this interview-style podcast, you will gain a proven strategic apartment investing system and hear stories from successful investors, all to help you be light years ahead of those who try to do it alone. Subscribe to the Think Multifamily podcast today at thinkmultifamily.com forward slash podcast. What may I ask is a good marketing budget? Since I was doing 2,500, you're saying, you know, you can already intuitively say that's a small budget. Uh, What is a budget that we should look at as the marketing specifically? Oh gosh, that that's such a that's such a hard question because I mean you have pay per click, which is you know on average in markets like ours, you're talking seven eight grand per property, right? Um, and some of there's some other markets, you know, that it may be only two or three thousand. So that this is a question that honestly, uh, it's it's not that I would not want to answer. I'm going to answer the best I can. But when you talk about every marketing channel, that cost per deal is very different. When you talk about market, that cost per deal is very different. So as someone that lives in, you know, let's say Paris, Texas or something like that, a very small, you know, 
country town, you could get away with probably throwing out some RBNs and a few yellow letters and, and do really well. Uh, but when you're talking about large metroplexes like ours, you're not going to be able to spend $2,500 a month and make a business out of it. You may be very creative and very, uh, you know, have some drive and hustle and you can maybe get a deal out of that, you know, and make something happen. Uh, but I think, you know, it, it all depends direct mail. You've got your RBMs, you've got your text messaging. So that's such a hard question to, to answer. Um, you know, if it's not like market specific or a deal, you know, marketing channel specific, um, I don't know if that helps at all, but it, it really is a, I mean, it's really different. Like I can't tell you like somebody in, you know, Birmingham, Alabama compared to here versus a North Carolina versus a, you know, it's different. Perfect. Well, now I have a fifth thing to talk about, but I'll go to the fourth first. Um, is, you, you mentioned the market. You, yeah. you immediately you're like, well, what market were you in? Cause yeah. that was intuitive to you. Like that it mattered where I was putting these dollars. And you mentioned that uh, Denver might be in the top 10 or five of cities that are, are getting door knockers, ringless voicemail, RVM, uh, text message drops, direct mail, etc. You mentioned that Denver is one of the tougher ones. Should I then, because of what you said, should I then focus on a different market? And if so, how do I pick the market? So, you know, I, I have personal experience with this. Uh, we did go virtual for a few months um, on top of what we were doing. It was almost like a, um, you know, just a, a fun guinea pig type of test for me uh, because I do see a lot of people going virtual and, and I just wanted to see like, could I do it too? You know, it was almost one of those like, I'm competitive. So I was like, if they can do it, I can. Um, and I'd put it off for so long. It'd been on my mind so long. I needed to just either like shelf it or do something about it. And so we went into about five different markets and we did, you know, small test marketing. Uh, we actually made money. We sold all of our deals, but we did realize that having boots on the ground is very strategic, even though we were doing it virtually and you could take pictures and we could, you know, find buyers and things like that. We felt like it did take someone, um, on the ground there. That would be our comfort level to do that. Um, so it is a smaller amount that you're having to spend in marketing per deal. It is also a smaller amount of assignment. So, you know, as if our average assignment here is about 22,000, you know, we were looking at five and seven and $8,000 assignments. So, you know, when you think about that, if you can do, you know, 12 to 15 deals at 22,000, or you could do, you know, 40 deals at five or seven, well, that's now putting that extra stress on your team, that you're stressed on your dispositions, you're stressed on your transaction coordinators. So in, in return, you're going to have more problems, which come with more people, come with more problems, which come with more staff to handle those. So we kind of realized that we have such a large population here that we can go a little bit deeper and a little bit wider. And that was what we chose personally. Um, I know there's some people in California that, you know, they're like, well, it doesn't matter how deep or wide I go, like it's rough here, you know? And so I get that, you know, you're in the middle of New York city. I mean, that, those are probably not great areas to wholesale. And so I know that, you know, personally, some people that, that do that go on in some, you know, secondary and tertiary markets around their area. Uh, but I know lots of people that do it virtually and they love it and they kill it. And, you know, uh, I think it's kind of to each their own. It's, it's how you like it. And we've just kind of found our own way and how we like it. Love that. Love that. Thank you so much for going into that. Yeah. The last thing that I'm noticing 
that I may have done wrong <laughs> is marketing channels. So when I look at all these marketing channels that you're discussing, I skipped most of them. <laughs> so RVM is something you throw around like everyone in the world knows what that is. Right. I, I barely know what that is because I have this podcast. I've never used it. I know it means ringless voicemail. Yes. Uh, could you just define what a ringless voicemail is really fast just in case other people are like I was? Right, most definitely. So a ringless voicemail is basically a pre-recorded message that will go directly into the voicemail of whoever you are sending that to. Um, and so that it is that simple. I mean, it's you, you pre-record a message, it goes directly into their voicemail, and then there's you know a callback number and they will call you back and most likely have some not good words for you, but you may find a, a few that are excited that you happen to drop that in their voicemail. <laughs> got it, got it. Now, I have a lot of questions on this. So this, uh, talking about, excuse me, <clears throat> talking about the marketing channels is probably going to be our last subject for this podcast. Awesome. But I think it really um, is. Where I think we're going to learn a ton from from just having an expert on the on the podcast that has done some of these things. The next thing that you mentioned as a marketing channel available out there is the direct mail. Now, now that's the channel that I knew of. That's the channel that I heard of. Um, and you said, you said, you know, I haven't seen your direct mail. I haven't seen your postcard. I haven't read your, um, your letter. So I can't yet give you feedback on how you're doing with your copy. But, um, but let's just talk about if there is a, a tip or trick on how to do direct mail the right way. Right. Um, you know, this has been tested over time and time again, and it's almost been proven that unless you do something completely outside of the box, so like literally put something in a box or put something that has weight or an object inside a letter, um, you know, it's not going to get you that much um, of a difference on your uh, return on your investment. Now, however, that being said, when you get an urgent notice, you know, urgent notice, call now, like people are, you know, people are worried. They're not into our industry and that we all know what that means, but they're like, wait, what's going on? Did I not pay my taxes? You know, so you're going to get an influx of calls, which again, more calls, more people, more problems. I choose not to go that route because um, we already have enough people that are upset, you know, that they got a nice pretty postcard in the mail. And I'm like, did you call Domino's and like cuss them out too? You know, like what's, <laughs> but, um, but I think with copy, um, yes, it needs to be clear. It needs to be, um, it, it needs to be written well, but I don't think that there is a huge variance in that. I think some people like a more professional look. You know, you've got your open door and places like that, that they like that more professional letter, that more feel. Some people like it when, you know, the guy's sitting on his front steps or girl with their dog, you know, and they're like, oh, they look like a sweet people. Let's bring them over, you know. So I think that honestly, it appeals to such different people. And I think that's why really after you've split tested that there is not a huge variable between all of those marketing pieces. It's really about hitting them consistently and truth be told, it's really getting down to the day that they have that need that they, that they are in distress or that they don't, they they're done with it and they don't want to deal with it. If your item landed in those few days, then you're probably going to get a phone call. Awesome. 
So speaking of the direct mail, staying on that subject, you mentioned two of the things that I think are, that are, can be really valuable to somebody if they want to you know, be able to send out direct mail. One of them is that you have to think outside the box. You have to do it differently. And stuff like a long, long time ago, this, I got a mail, I got something in the mail and it was a, it was a car key. And it, yeah. and it was cut and it looked like a car key and it said, hey, come down to the, to the place, come down to the dealership, yeah. thank you. Yeah. And if this key fits the car, you get it for free. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I might get a free car. Yeah. I had to do it, right? So I felt it in there. I, I Usually I see a dealership and, and I'm like, ah, oh, garbage, garbage, yeah, garbage. And yeah. I, feel some, I feel something in there and I'm like, huh, well, what's in there? I just need to know what's in there. And I look at it and it's not just a generic looking key. It looks like it could go to a car. <laughs> and I'm just like, huh, why did they give me this? And I then I read it. And when I read it, it said, if you just come to the dealership, if this fits, you get a free car. Now I'm thinking like, it cost me a dollar of gas to get to that dealership and I might get a $20,000 car. So it's very worth it for me to try this. But for them, I can uh, see on their side that they're getting a few hundred pe- extra people and two or three of them are going to actually buy a $20,000 car. And now they're going to more than make up for that marketing budget. I love that idea of it's awesome. Inside the box, using a box, putting something in there that they have to get out. The next thing that I really noticed that you mentioned about your direct mail, and yeah. this, this applies to other things, is split testing. You use this word called split testing. Yeah. It's a word that most marketers do know, but there's a lot of people listening that are like, how do you split test? What is split testing? So if you could kind of share how to split test um, direct mail, yeah. and then we'll move on to the next part of the topic. So basically with direct mail, um, you want it to be as close to apples to apples as possible, right? So you don't want to take a tax delinquent list and a probate list and send the same thing out and expect to get the same, you know, return or the same analytics on those. So let's say you take a tax default list and, you know, you break it up, you know, 5,000 here, 5,000 there, and you send it in those same months together, uh, you know, and do at least three months to, to get, you know, a good split test on that. So basically that would be what that would look like. So maybe you've got a yellow postcard here and you've got a white one with your dog here and you would send both of those out, um, split that list in half and put two different phone numbers on it. Very important. So when it comes in, you're tracking those. And then at the end of that three months, you'll look at how many phone calls you had come in Uh, Out of those phone calls, how many of them turned into a viable lead that they were looking to sell a property? And out of those leads, how many turned into a contract? And even then, you will deep dive even more and say, okay, well, maybe we had five contracts here and six here, not a big difference. Well, the average spread over here was 10,000 and over here it was 16. So you really, it's like being a detective, you know? I mean, if you look at it from just how many deals did we get, you may really go wrong and say, we're going over here. When really, you know, I would rather get larger deals and a lot fewer of them than, you know, uh, more, more deals and less profit, right? So you're saying you'd rather do five deals and make a hundred grand than a hundred deals and make a hundred grand? All day long. (laughs) The other things that you're mentioning here, uh, I've got you quoted. There was a time today that you said, I already know this metric that 
the, my average assignment fee in the area you live is 22K. Like right. it was not 20, it was not 25. It wasn't between 20 and 25. You know the number. Yeah. You're tracking <laughs> as you're split testing, you're, you're looking at the analytics. You're tracking yeah. KPIs. You have separate phone numbers. And yeah. you're not just looking at which one brings you the most amount of deals, but you might see that one of them brought you six deals that all netted five grand and the other one brought you uh, five deals that all netted you 13 grand. So right. now you're looking at, I like the one that brought me five deals for 13 Me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> all, all of this is phenomenal. And I bet you anything that people that are in your online mastermind, you're probably teaching them how to do this when they, when they ask you're like, Oh yeah, this is how you do that. I'd love to tell you that, but actually no. I mean, everybody in our mastermind better be tracking their numbers or they're oh. really not a good fit anyhow. I mean, we, okay. it, we, we try to get really down to some details and nitty gritty, like change this wording up on a text. I mean, it, there, there's some very valuable information being shared in the mastermind and it's constant back and forth on like how we can tweak this. Cause once you're at a point, Adam, I mean, let's just be honest, once you're doing 50 plus deals a year, um, and it doesn't even have to be that many deals. Let's say you have a seven figure business, you know, or a year or high six figures, you should already have down that you're tracking your numbers and you know, you know, those kind of basic ABCs of, you know, being a business owner in our industry, honestly. So those aren't, those aren't conversations that we're really having in there. We're, now we are having conversations on how to display that information that's being tracked. Like what dashboard are you guys using? Is it pulling from this or doing that? Or what metrics do you like to look at within this? But it's definitely not your basic, you need to be tracking your postcards kind of thing. No. Okay. So this is not a group coaching program for oh, movies. This so. is like people that are crushing it and how yeah. to get to that next level. I'm, I'm glad that you made that distinction. Yeah. Still talking about the marketing channels, which I failed at and it's probably why I lost a bunch of money trying to wholesale. Thank you for pointing that out. And now we have thousands of listeners knowing that I failed at something. Thank you. Uh, the next part of the channels that I noticed is that we, you, I didn't hear you talk about Facebook ads and I also did not hear you talk about Google ad spend, Google AdWords. So right. could, could you tell me why we're not talking about Facebook ads or Google ads? So basically when I learned how to, you know, how to do this, it was kind of get good at one thing. And in fact, with the severe ADD that I have, the book, the one thing is like what I have to live by, right? Or I get nothing done and it's five o'clock and I feel like I've been busy working all day. So I needed to tackle one thing first. So I started with direct mail. Um, from then I went on to pay-per-click. From then I went on to SEO. So basically I wanted to, you know, try it, test it get it as good as I could get and then move on to the next. So I have done every form of marketing at this point besides billboards and TV, basically. Um, and I have decided on the ones that, you know, I like to do. I have done pay-per-click before and it was golden and I loved it. And it was a solid foundation for our business on a monthly basis. And then it just got so expensive that yes, there was still profit, but it was like going like this. And I don't want to, I don't want to be in the middle of the sea and drowning with no ship around. Like I'm going to go ahead and jump on the ship that came by and we're leaving. Right. So I left that and we're finding other ways that we can, you know, utilize the data that we have and, um, you know, make something of that. Uh, so basically that's why I don't use 
pay-per-click or Google AdWords anymore. Uh, we do have SEO. That is a long-term play. That's a year to two to three-year play within you know markets like ours. So we are doing that. I'm, I'm good for the long haul. Um, and then we do you know uh, the, the direct mail and a little bit of RBMs and a little bit of um, texting. But I think that as we go on within our industry and Facebook ads, by the way, I did, I tried three different companies, all very well vetted and amazing people. I actually really like the people that have those companies. Uh, but I spent $30,000 and thank goodness I got my money out of it, but not a dollar more. So I probably lost a few hundred dollars. Um, and so after using three different people to do it, um, I believe with all my heart that Facebook marketing is not a sustainable growth model in our market today. Two years from now, I'm not saying it. But yes, you can get a deal or two, you know, that, that's going to happen. I'm not saying people don't do it. But in order to say, I want to get four deals every single month from this channel, it hasn't worked for me and I've not met anyone that it's worked for before. So to me, I'm out on that for a little while. Love it. Okay, so let me, uh, let me go through this one more time. On the channels, we have talked about ringless voicemail. We have talked about direct mail. We need to dive in a little bit to understand what you mean by the text message blasts. Okay. We did talk about Facebook. We did talk about Google. We talked a little bit about SEO, which is search engine optimization, yes. basically just making your website attractive to people so that they find you. Your, your page comes up at the top. Uh, I don't think we have time to really dive into that even more, but the text messages uh -huh. What do you mean by text messaging? How do you even get people's phone numbers? So the way that you will get people's phone numbers is to skip trace. And um, there is many, many different companies that you can use for skip tracing. Um, and so you will, you know, call one of those companies and set up a relationship and you will send your list over there to be skip traced. And once you skip trace that list, you can then send a ringless voicemail, AKA RVM. Um, you can send a text message and you can also cold call. So um, of those three, you decide which one you want to do. But basically that is that you're going to skip trace and get all the phone numbers that you can get with that um, service. And then you will kind of delegate those throughout your text messaging, your ringless voicemails and your cold calling. Perfect. Are you doing cold calling? It's the first time we've mentioned it today. Yeah, uh, no, we're not currently. So we did. Um, we had in-house cold callers, uh, five or six of those. Uh, but my COO found herself managing cold callers all day and hiring and training cold callers. And that's really not what I need her to do. Um, I do not want to ever do it in-house again. And we have also tried overseas. So we've tried both. Right now, it is not something that we're going to be doing, but we're already paying for phone numbers, so I realize there is a hole there that needs to be filled, but, um, you know, we're doing well with our marketing, uh, you know, program that we've kind of laid out right now, so we're just going to test it out, and I also don't want to get too involved with some of these nichier and maybe kind of in and out things. I'm not saying cold calling is, but there, there's always going to be something new kind of coming into our industry and I'll ride the wave when we can ride it. But I do want kind of some more solid foundation that I know is tried and true throughout the years that I can, you know, get those, that consistent deal flow and then I'll play and ride all the waves that I can. But yeah, cold calling is not something we're doing. I know it works really well for a lot of people, but uh, it is a people management business for sure, especially if you have it in-house. And we just didn't work out for us. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for going into that. So can you just tell me like what a text message blast might look like if, if, you're, if you're sending 
a text message that goes to multiple people. What does something like that look like? Yeah. So um, if it's coming from Texas, it would be like, howdy. I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so basically a, a text message uh, would, you know, say, you know, uh, hey, Adam, I uh, just wanted to reach out really quickly and uh, see if you're interested in selling your property. You know, I, I know this is out of the blue. Please get back with me if you're interested. Something like that. To be quite honest, I don't write out any of that. I have Ashlyn and Colin do those things. So uh, I'm a little little out of practice there. But it would basically just something like that. You know, like, hey, just, you know, looking to see if you're interested in selling your property. And if, if you're not, do you know someone that is? And we'll be happy to pay you a $1,000 referral. So just very simple things. Um, text messages have a high, you know, open rate. Most people are looking at their phones, uh, you know, constantly all day, even when they should be working. So we, we're, we get a lot of people that, uh, you know, look at those, of course, with text messages. And there's different services. Um, you have your services that are, uh, you know, compliant, meaning that, you know, it should be within the law uh, because it is actually somebody, a human that is sending each one of those out. And then you have your text messaging services that will just blast everything all at once. And it's like you kind of are walking a, a tightrope every day. And we don't, we again, don't want to walk tightropes either. So that's, that's not the, uh, the game we play with the text messaging. Got it. Got it. I want to, uh, before we let you go, I want to share with those listening, those on the Facebook live as well, that I'll be running an all women event. Well, I'll be part of it. And really good egg is there. My friends at good egg are going to be made, uh, the hosts of it. But I, I want the most amount of people to go there because the most amount of women to go there. Cause it's all women. I can't even go. Um, <laughs> but what I've noticed when I go to real estate masterminds, when I go to real estate, um, conferences, it's, it's usually five to one or even 20 to one. Um, very saturated with males. And yeah. um, I know that women like Jamie Woolley that are on the podcast right now are just crushing it, even as a wife, a mother, uh, hosting a mastermind and still doing 100 plus deals. I know that other people can do this. I know many, many women who have 100, 200, 300, 3,000 multifamily rental doors that they own and control even by doing everything else. So I'm trying to change that. I'm trying to bring the most amount of women on the stage. I want to level it out. When, when there's 25 people, I want 12 or 13 of them to be women, not one, not two. So I just want to share that there's going to be an event that's an all-women event. It's January 9th, 2020. January 9th, 2020. If, you, if this is a movement that you can get behind, if, if you're a woman listening, watching this podcast or on the Facebook live. And, and this is, you're as passionate about this as I am, as Jamie Woolley is, who actually used to run the Iron Heels, all women mastermind for the same reason. If, if you're behind what she and I are trying to accomplish, what Good Egg is trying to accomplish to change the world really, and the real estate industry, then please go to multifamilypartnershipsummit.com, grab your tickets, uh, it's going to be a phenomenal event. I'm thinking, Jamie, you're you're probably going to be attending as yeah, well. Yeah, I'll, de I'll definitely be there. I would love to be a part of that and and meet other women too in the industry that I haven't yet, you know, had the opportunity to. So that'd be awesome. You're awesome, and just <laughs> I'm blown away at everything that you're doing um, with your with your business and with that mastermind. What is the best way for 
the listener who who's who's on the Facebook Live or listening on the podcast right now, they resonated with you. They loved what you're doing. They want to be a part of that mastermind. They're already doing 75 deals a, a year, and they want to go up to 150 a year and be a part of your mastermind. What's really the best way for them to find you and get a hold of you? Yeah, so um, we do have a Next Level Flipping group that is uh, public. Um, you can go there. Uh, you can go to my Facebook page, which is Jamie Burleson Woolley. Uh, my friends are capped, but you can follow me and message me and just say, hey, I heard you on the podcast. You know, I'd like to you know, talk to you a little bit more about the group. Um, and I think Instagram is jamie.woolley. I just got on Instagram a couple weeks ago, so I'm trying to figure out that platform too. <laughs> okay. I would be happy. We'll, we'll put that into Jamie. I know you'll get that today. You'll go ahead and just put it yeah. in the Facebook show totally, notes anyway. Totally. And I'll make sure to copy everything. So by the time you're hearing this on the podcast, all of that stuff is also in yes. the, the show notes of the podcast. Yes. So I really, really, really appreciate your time. You spent a ton of time letting me really pick your brain on every single one of these details. And I think it was really valuable for anybody who wants to get uh, to that next level um, in the real estate business. So we spent a, more time than I'm used, used to spending and I'm grateful that you gave that to us. Uh, I will let you go, but until next time, my friend, think outside the box. What's up, podcast listeners? I hope you're getting a ton of value from the episodes that we keep dropping daily all month of August as we promote the Raising Money Summit. I bet you anything you've already gotten your tickets I assume you're coming and I cannot wait to see you there. I'm going to let you hear from a couple more of the speakers that are going to be on stage at this event right here, right now. Check them out and I'll see you on October 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Hi, I'm Ellie Perlman and I've noticed that most people, most investors don't know how to create a systemized funnel and work really hard to raise capital. Now, real estate is, is a hard work. Nobody says otherwise. But I have found a way to build a to build a really you know robust and really um, easy system that generates hot leads straight to me. Investors are reaching out to me on a weekly and sometimes on a daily basis. So I'm able to add between three and five investors to my investor list every week, and that's with minimum effort. So on the summit, I'm going to teach you how to do that. I'm going to give you the blueprint and the step-by-step -step plan on how you can do the same. So you can generate hot leads of investors reaching out to you on a weekly basis with minimum effort. If you know how to do it right, it's a lot of fun. And it's not as hard as you think. Hi, I'm Gene Trowbridge, and I'm really excited about being at Adam Adams' uh, presentation on October 3rd through the 5th. I gotta tell you something that's happening to me that I'm gonna talk about when I'm at that presentation. I go to um, all sorts of events. I'm one of the preeminent uh, securities attorneys in the country and people stop by my booth and they pick up a business card. Two days later, I get a solicitation from them to invest in their deal. That's totally illegal. I need to tell you about how you should not do that. My best legal advice to you is don't do that. You don't have a pre-existing relationship with me. You don't have a substantive relationship with me. I'm going to talk about all that. And it's not just me you're soliciting. 
illegally. It's all the other people that you haven't built the right foundation with before you go ahead and ask them to invest. So be sure to be there early on the first day to hear me talk about this because I'm going to keep you out of trouble and then be there at the end of the last day where Jillian Sidoti, my partner, is going to give you a rock star performance that you cannot afford to miss. So I'll see you in Denver, October 3rd through the 5th. Thanks. Hi, everyone. This is Pili Yerusi from Yerusi Holdings. I am so honored to be speaking at the Raising Money Summit coming up in October. Um, at the summit, I'm going to talk to you about how focus gives you more success and how your passive investors will see that and trust you even more because of that, because you have the focus. I mean, all of us know that as investors, if we see that our fellow fellow investor is focused, is clued into exactly what they want and how they're going to get it, we see that and we are attracted to that. So, I mean, think think about that in the passive investor side. They know what they're looking for and they see it in you if they see the focus in you. And Finding this focus was really, really difficult. Jason and I, my husband and I, went from A to B, which was me getting my real estate license. We started flipping and wholesaling. And I found out that flipping and wholesaling, at least for us, was a job. We weren't investing our time wisely. But we learned how to do real estate. We learned more about the business doing that. We got into small multifamilies. We found a couple in in Indiana that gave us permission to look out of state, look further than than our hometown with within like that 30 minute circumference that we were driving to, to do our flips. We found that permission to look further. So from that, Jason saw the possibility of going bigger. Of course, at that point I was like, Oh no, I don't, I can't let me, let me just focus in on this. Let me, we'll do our flipping and wholesaling and we'll do our small multifamily, but doing a hundred units, 500 units at a time. Wait, what? That's actually possible. And we found out that it was. So a year, two years later, we're trying to do everything at once. And we just, we just figured out that we can't. And we came to the decision that we're not going to do that anymore. We started dismantling our other businesses and we focused on multifamily. And we are on the way up because of it. And I want to show you exactly how we did it and our story that drove us to the point that we are at now where we are all in on multifamily, on large multifamily, and finding and offering people the opportunity to join us. So again, this is Pili Yerusi for the Raising Money Summit. So honored to be going there and so honored to meet you. Bye now. Hi, I'm Kathy Fedke, co-CEO of Real Wealth Network, and we started raising money for syndications back in 2009, so I guess you could say it's my 10-year anniversary. Uh, We did some things very wrong in the beginning, and we are doing them very right today. Unfortunately, I'm seeing a lot of new syndicators make the mistakes that I made in the beginning and, and mistakes that are way worse than I could ever have dreamed up. So I'm excited, so excited that this event is happening 
um, that I can come and teach people how to really build a business that will be there for the long term um, and that investors will just just be waiting in great anticipation for your next deal and have money set aside that they can't wait to send you.